Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalero, and Pulsera is the proud sponsor of this episode of the Inside EMS podcast. Learn how you can create a robust community paramedicine program at www.pulsera.com slash EMS. And I will not wait any longer because I know you were waiting with bated breath to hear from my partner, my good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are you? I'm better, man. I'm better. I've been on the 24 hour uh, weight loss program called viral gastroenteritis. <laughs> How's that work? Is, is that good? I mean, does that work well? Oh yeah. Yeah. You lose a lot of weight. You know, um, it's all water weight though. Unfortunately, um, when you rehydrate yourself, it comes right back. But, so uh, not sustainable Jesus. is what you're saying. Oh yeah. Not sustainable at all. Oh my God. This is the first time in probably 20 years that I've had to call off uh, on the ambulance and, and have someone come in and replace me. I've, uh, there have been no shifts that I can remember where I just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Well, I'm uh, glad you're here and, uh, hope you get to feeling better, but you know, you make me feel better. Sevalero, you're like, you're like Zofran. You just, you just erase the nausea almost immediately. Do I wash over you? You know, I've had, I've had women tell me the opposite. So (laughs) that I make them sick, (laughs) make them want to vomit. But, um, you know, Kelly, one of the things that I think is really interesting is, Every time uh, it seems that I am looking for information around the internet, uh, your articles seem to pop up left and right. And, you know, it, it's just in, it's just in the work and dedication that you have, not only to the people that you serve in your coverage area, but to our career field, because truly you have written articles almost on every single subject when it comes to, appreciate um, you know, EMS and, and just cheers to you. And they're insightful. They are entertaining. Uh, since we're so close, I could actually hear your voice in my head when I read them. Oh my God. I need, hang on. I need something to drink. That's, that's <laughs> like vinegar coming out of my mouth. Um, but it, it does. Character go, what, building that it, is it really? But you know, it, uh, it does go into the topics that we want to talk about today. And, and I'm going to let you set it up for us. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's been apparent to me for a number of years that the initial airway uh, management education in EMS uh, is somewhat lacking and, and the numbers bear it out. We are, as a profession, we are not good at invasive airway management, particularly in the tracheal intubation. There are some pockets of excellence out there that have really good uh, QA, QI, and, and active physician involvement in their programs, and they, they excel at airway management. But by and large, EMS is, uh, is mediocre at best. And uh, the, the problem comes from a, a couple different sources. Number one, we don't require extensive enough airway management education. Uh, for years, the COAMPS uh, requirements were five live intubations. Um, I remember when I took my paramedic class that I had to have 24 and now you only have to have five and, and the program that, uh, that many of my partners graduate from, uh, got a waiver from co-amps to, to allow their five intubations on a simulator rather than live because live intubations were so hard to come by. Um, and it shows the problem is, is many of these, these, uh, newly minted paramedics don't know what they don't know. And uh, the simulation is so poor 
that they're not really capable of, of understanding just how uh, shaky and, and superficial their airway management education is because they were able to tube Fred the Head five times or able to tube Simman uh, five times. And uh, Simman's great, but he's, he's not uh, the be-all and end-all. He's still not a live 400-pounder who's copiously vomiting uh, in, in a poor position. So uh, one of the things that's come around is um, – that, that is popular in, in EMS circles now is the salad technique, the suction-assisted laryngoscopic airway decontamination developed by Dr. Jim DeCanto. Um, and the salad simulators are, are a little bit a step above your standard airway mannequin. The problem is, is, is I didn't have the money and wherewithal to go buy one of the new life form salad simulators, so I made my own. And it uh, turns out it's not that difficult a thing to do. And you can convert your standard Laird all airway mannequin to a solid simulator and back to a standard airway mannequin uh, in fairly short order. And that's what I did. And I well, wrote it up for EMS one. Yeah. And I think it was a great article and, and we should attach that article to the show notes for you to yeah. check out. But, you know, so you kind of gave us the acronym, right? And I think mm -hmm. that that's all well and good, but what the heck does it mean? So I want to go ahead and talk about the process that you developed. And then towards later in the show, I do want to talk about some tips that we can give to our audience to increase their ability to have good airway management. And I mm -hmm. just don't want to talk about the invasive ways that we can uh, manage yeah. an airway, but I do want to take it up from basic to advanced. But, you know, go ahead and just talk a little bit more about SALAD. So when you talk about this and the acronym and you break it down, what does it exactly mean for the people that may have not heard this term before? Well, SALAD is a technique to to manage uh, the airway of a copiously vomiting patient or a patient with copious airway secretions. Uh, it, it's a technique for successfully intubating and securing the airway in a patient whose airway is flooded by uh, secretions or vomitus. And it's very difficult to do without the appropriate tools, one of them being uh, the decanto suction catheter. Uh, the Decanto big stick catheter really sucks and in a good way, uh, far better than the, the uh, standard yonker that most people carry on their ambulances. Uh, it, it suctions probably twice as fast and uh, the yonkers are, are, are good for getting spittle out of somebody's mouth, but for, for eliminating a flooded airway that they don't provide near as powerful a suction. Um, and that's, that's one of the, the nice things that I'm, I'm really thankful that my, uh, my agency has, has switched over to those and they weren't really hard to convince. Uh, this thing is a comparable price to any other, uh, uh, suction catheter on the market out there and it just works great. So we use those. And the other, the other part of uh, salad is, um, uh, video laryngoscopy. Now, video laryngoscopy on the surface is still cost prohibitive to some EMS systems. Uh, these systems may cost a thousand dollars or more uh, to set up, but not so much now. There are disposable video laryngoscopes on the market, and that's what I use in my uh, uh, in my refresher classes, teaching these guys that that uh, uh, video laryngoscopy not need not be out of your price range if you if you're really committed to doing this. Uh, and they, they make a disposable video laryngoscope that hooks via USB port to your tablet or your phone or whatever. Uh, and you can use your, your phone or your tablet as the video monitor uh, and use this, this uh, disposable laryngoscope. It costs like 65 bucks. So 
these two things, video laryngoscopy combined with really, really good suction and the techniques to, to utilize them both effectively really make a uh, fairly easy work of what would be an almost impossible uh, airway management uh, problem. And, and uh, you, can, you can use these, these catheters uh, and this, this video laryngoscopy uh, as an aid to intubation. You can use the salad technique as an aid to placing and decontaminated as superglottic airway like an eye gel or a king tube. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's truly a trick that, that helps pretty much all levels of EMS providers. The problem is, is, is can you get a mannequin that vomits enough to make it worthwhile? And uh, your standard, you know, layered all airway mannequin has the has the stomach bag of contents and you can take some some alginate and uh, and make up some some vomit and put in there in the bag. But it's just enough to make vomit come up in the back of the airway when you squeeze the stomach bag. It doesn't flood the airway. So you need a uh, you need something a little more robust that can produce more volume than that. And that's what uh, that's what I came up with. And I think that's very interesting. And, you know, just one of the ways too, Kelly, that when you talk about the innovative methods of educators, right, sometimes we've mm-hmm. got to be able to get into our bag of tricks and say, how could we kind of simulate this, especially in classes when, you know, we're trying to do it for the best job, you know, the best way that we can and make it as affordable as we can to the people who are going to work in a field that don't have a lot of money and won't make a lot of money. How do we get yeah. to be innovative? So, Maybe if you take us through this, this process, give me a little bit about the skill, right? So now you're going to use the, the salad method. Take us through a patient that uh, has some vomitous or secretions in their airway. How would you manage this uh, patient using this type, using this procedure? Okay. Well, first of all, you, you hook up your suction catheter and you lead with the stick. You lead with the suction catheter. Uh, you want to start to de- decontaminate the airway and get that, those secretions out of there before you go in with your video laryngoscope so as that you don't foul the, the camera and obscure your view. So you, you basically will take the, the decanto uh, and hold it somewhat like a, like a laryngoscope, and, and you can even use it to displace the lower jaw as you would with conventional laryngoscopy, and you lead with the stick, and you stick it down in there and start getting all that stuff out, and you follow immediately behind it with your, your video laryngoscopy. And the you can see what you're doing. You can see around the glottis. You can see the the uh, the uh, hypopharynx and all that. So you can actually use the video laryngoscope to guide where you want to put the tip of the catheter uh, to to suction. You can even uh, with with a, uh, a decent enough view actually directly decontaminate and suction the trachea uh, if there's already fluid in there and and help, it, if not prevent, at least limit uh, the volume of, of uh, aspiration that's going on. So you can, you lead with the catheter uh, and, and start suctioning and follow shortly thereafter with your video laryngoscope to help you clear up all the different little pockets. Uh, and you can use the, the suction catheter to directly decontaminate the trachea. When you've got all that out of there, you've got a couple of options at that point. You can perform laryngoscopy at that point and, and uh, once you have an airway that's decontaminated, uh, one of the things this really doesn't mention in here is the use of cricoid pressure because cricoid pressure uh, as, a, as a means of, of limiting vomiting is 
is uh, has limited effectiveness. It, it doesn't work all that well. Um, uh, you can, however, use cricoid pressure, not cricoid pressure, but direct laryngeal manipulation to improve your laryngoscopic view. But I found that with a video laryngoscope, it's really not all that big of a problem. Um, so you can, you, you have a couple of choices. You can go ahead and tube the patient at this point, and they recommend the use of a bougie. So you can take a, uh, a gum elastic bougie and, and thread it into the trachea, uh, and then, uh, thread your endotracheal tube down that. Or if you're having some problems with, uh, with, uh, the room and, and the anatomy and, and the bougie won't quite fit. You can use your, your video laryngoscope to insert the decanto catheter into the trachea and then disconnect your suction tubing down it and feed your bougie down the decanto catheter into the trachea to make it a little easier to pass that bougie. And then you remove your decanto catheter, reattach it to the suction tubing, uh, park it on the, the left side of the mouth, uh, and, and feed your, your endotracheal tube down the uh, bougie into the, the trachea and secure your airway. Uh, they call the technique poke and park. Uh, you, you poke the airway catheter around and, and, and suction, is, uh, uh, suction until the airway is clear. Uh, and then you park it on the left side of the mouth uh, with the suction still running uh, where it's out of your way during uh, laryngoscopy. And it works. It works great. Um, you, you know, a couple of different ways to, to do it. You can, if you're using the, the eye gel or one of the other airways, you can, uh, you can suction and decontaminate the lumen of, a, uh, of an eye gel uh, and decontaminate the airway around it uh, fairly well. And then if, say, you're using eye gel or a King airway, once you have the thing properly placed and you can see what you're doing with it with a video laryngoscope, um, or even if you're not using a video laryngoscope, once you have your king or your eye gel appropriately placed, uh, if need be, you can use a bougie as a tube exchanger for when the advanced uh, providers come along and want to intubate the patient. Uh, you can feed a, a bougie through those uh, supraglottic airways into the trachea, you know, feel for the tracheal rings. And when you're sure it's in the trachea, then you can pull your supraglottic airway and slide a uh, endotracheal tube down it. And you've transitioned to a, uh, to a, a definitive airway. Yeah. So and I just want to, I just want to touch on that. Personal really technique. Yeah. I just want to touch on that really quick. I think that that was a great overview. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you talk about the supraglottic airway and then kind of, you know, putting the tube around it, uh, I, I do want to touch on this, that a lot of times paramedics, will intubate and they'll intubate the esophagus. Yeah. And then the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to pull that tube, mm -hmm. leave the tube mistake. in place, yeah, leave mistake. the tube in place <laughs> and intubate around the tube because there's only one more hole. I mean, the chances of you going back into the esophagus after you rip that tube out is going to be 50%, but there's yeah. only one more hole to put that tube in the second time and give yourself that opportunity. I'll, I'll add a little bit to that. I disagree with there's only one tube, uh, one hole for it to go down. Because if you're sufficiently stupid and sufficiently determined, you can get several tubes down an esophagus. Well, but um, you're going to see that it's does, in that hole, man. It, Come it on. does. If you're, if, you're, if you're paying attention, it does effectively mark where the tube should not go. Not to mention the fact that if you have a cuff inflated, all the vomit is coming out the tube onto the floor of the ambulance and not the patient's airway. Right. So that's, that's useful. Um, that'll help you decontaminate an airway as well. 
And that's one of the things that I want to talk to you about after the break is when you see this, when you see vomitus and secretions in the airway, it usually freaks people out. And, you know, they're, they're kind of almost uh, paralyzed for a second. And I want to get your opinion on that. But before that, go ahead and read the mid-show break. Will do. Whether community paramedicine or the routine transport from COVID-19 to STEMI to behavioral health, from the scene of a car crash in your city to a patient's living room in rural Montana, Pulsara connects you in real time with any member of the care team. Pulsara makes communicating across organizations and regions easy for any patient type. Simply create a dedicated patient channel, build your team, and communicate in a way that's best for your team and the patient case. For more information, visit pulsara.com EMS. That's P-U-L-S-A-R-A dot com slash EMS. You know, so Kelly, I kind of set up the scenario that when we're paramedics and we look into an airway and we see that there's vomitus, we see that there's food, we see that there's secretions, it kind of freaks people out a little bit. And as Mm -hmm. you're talking about this salad method, you know, we've went ahead and we've put the blade in the mouth and we've looked and we've said, oh my gosh, we got to do something here. Talk us through that process of getting those secretions out because it's not really as difficult as it seems. It's not really a harder skill, but it just does. It's just something out of the ordinary that we're psychological block. Exactly. So, how do we get around that? Well, you know, it's airway management or managing a difficult airway is 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 in some regards like uh, sticking an IV. Confidence is everything. Uh, confidence is everything. If you, if you blow it the first time, then your confidence is shaken and it seems like that snowballs on itself and you miss the next five IVs, uh, and until you get one and your confidence comes back. Um, but you need to approach airway management like a team sport, your EMT partner or your EMR partner for that matter can do many, many things to help make it a more successful and and easier intubation. Things like helping you position the patient, readying your equipment, performing uh, laryngeal manipulation at your direction, or at least holding it after you've performed the laryngeal manipulation yourself. The fish hook maneuver is great. If you take the right side corner of the mouth uh, with a gloved finger and fish hook, and you could pull the, the corner of the mouth out of the way, it, that provides you a, a great deal more room to manipulate a tube or a bougie or anything else. It, it really does improve your laryngoscopic view by at least a grade, uh, if not more. Um, what could be a, a difficult intubation becomes a manageable or even an easy one if they do this. So you use a team approach and you be methodical about it. You be methodical about it. People will go in and, and, They've lost in recent years, it seems, uh, uh, all the old school tricks uh, seem to have been forgotten. You mentioned uh, if you tube the esophagus, leave the tube in and then tube around it. Uh, You hardly ever see that taught anymore. And I I don't understand why. I think some people have have some instructors have abandoned it as it's it's an old school trick that doesn't work. But no, it's an old school trick that does work if you use it in the right context. Uh, And I tell people, leave that tube in. uh, I I tell them that as a matter of course, if you're going to intubate, you need two endotracheal tubes ready. You may have to set both of them up and waste an endotracheal tube that way. But if you're going to pull out a 7.5 and tube someone, have another 7.5 out of the bag and sitting next to the patient in case you need it again. 
Um, if it gets contaminated from you dropping it or, or uh, gastric secretions or whatever, you can easily get a fresh, clean, sterile tube and tube around uh, and tube with that. But um, if you have that philosophy that uh, 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 two is one, one is none, then you're going to have that spare tube to uh, tube around an esophageal tube, uh, and, and it's right there readily at hand. The other thing is, is um, if you you take away this this uh, this um, notion of a, a crash airway that you have to get it right this very second, if you adequately pre-oxygenate. And that is something that people are not doing well anymore. Get and that airway. Go ahead. Yeah. And that's the thing too, that I think that people forget is it's important that we secure the airway as quickly as practical, but we don't have to rush either. And that's you right. mentioned the key here, the key to good airway management, regardless if it's adjunct, regardless if it's beat. I mean, it's, it's pre-oxygenation. And, yeah. you know, you, I used to teach my paramedic students to hold your breath when you start to intubate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you take a breath, stop your process and give them a breath as well. And then give them three or four breaths and pre-oxygenate and then start again. This does not have to be a skill that has to be done in a minute. This no, has to be no, a skill that's managed that you can get that you can get this definitive airway in a time frame that it takes you to get the definitive airway don't rush yeah. through it yeah and and it takes uh it takes approximately six to eight minutes for an uh for a uh uh adult to decompensate and for their po2 to drop to below 80 and and their sat to drop below 90 percent and and uh fall off the edge of that oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve if they have been adequately pre-oxygenated. So if you take a norm, uh, an adult with normal pulmonary physiology uh, and pre-oxygenate them well, they've got a window of six to eight minutes, not 30 seconds, not even as long as you can comfortably hold your breath, six to eight minutes. Now, if you've got someone with pulmonary pathophysiology, a COPD, or they're a CHF, or uh, they're obese, uh, or if it's a pediatric patient, cut that number in half, but you still have three to four minutes if they've adequately pre-oxygenated. And if you throw apneic oxygenation uh, and BVM ventilation with PEEP into the mix, you can extend that safe apnea window by minutes. In Weingart's, uh, in Weingart's research, uh, they did it for upwards of an hour. Now, the patient gets hypercapnic during that time, but still, you've got a long time. And you can salad. BVM, salad, BVM, salad, BVM for as long as it takes to keep that patient's oxygen saturation up. Uh, Jeff Jarvis uh, makes his medics at, at Williamson County EMS maintain an oxygen saturation of 90 of 94% uh, or better for three consecutive minutes before they're allowed to pick up an invasive airway device. For the, for, for the reason that they're trying to extend that safe apnea window and limit the, the possibility of peri-intubation hypoxia. And it works. Uh, it works. They, they decrease their, their um, instances of peri-intubation uh, peri hypoxia from like 45% to 3%. Um, and, and that has a direct bearing on mortality and whether the patient crashes on you uh, after you've got the tube uh, successfully secured. So if you quit thinking of a laryngoscope as your tool to cor correct hypoxia uh, and start thinking of a BVM 
positioning and peep valve and suction as your tools to correct hypoxia. And the tube is a definitive way of maintaining normoxia after you've got the hypoxia corrected. And that's the way you ought to go. And, and all too often, uh, paramedics default directly to the endotracheal tube because that's the sexy part of the procedure. Uh, but the thing that really makes a difference in life-saving is the BLS maneuvers that precede that. And then a lot of paramedics forget that. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit because I think we've been very, very specific. I, I want to, mm -hmm. you know, as we're getting up there in time, you know, we really have to be able to think about uh, closing the show. And this is certainly a topic that we could talk about for the rest of the day. But I'm yeah. going to give you a couple tips from uh, that I used to teach my EMTs and paramedics about airway management. And then, Kelly, I'd like for you to give a couple tips before we get to the close as well. But one of the things that I think is important here when we think about airway management specifically innovation, is we have to remember our cognitive stages of development. And when we talk about the beginning, where we talk about imitation, then we go to manipulate, and then so on and so mm -hmm. forth, until we get to the top of you know synthesis that we can kind of figure out how we can do this. I, I always make the same comment, do you do a skill today the same way that you do the skill when you first started? And the majority of the time, the answer is no. But it seems that with intubation or airway management, we don't manipulate the skill to our own knowledge and understanding. I could, I'll give an example. One of the things that I used to do is I always used a Mac 3 when I intubated. I think if you're using a Miller, you've got to be able now to use the finesse of the tool to intubate. So with a Miller, we're just shoving that thing right down the patient's throat, and then we're pulling it out until the blade slips into the molecular. And, and I think that's I think that's a little bit, it lacks the finesse of the skill, right? Sometimes you mm -hmm. got to use it, but I don't use it primarily. And one of the things that I would do is, you know, I have a little bit smaller hands. I, I'm using a smaller blade, if I can do that, with the three, uh, with the three Miller. Mm -hmm. And then I used, to put, I used to put it in, and then I used to sweep the tongue to the left like you're supposed to. And then I would kind of inch it down into the, into the molecula until it would finally fit. And then one day by accident, I was actually in the ambulance, and I was getting ready to intubate the patient, and the ambulance took a... Uh, a, a maneuver in the street, which caused me to slide the blade from the left side of the mouth. So actually from the corner of the left side of the mouth, and it went to the corner of the right side of the mouth. And as I straightened my hand out, I was right in the molecular. So rather so you, than going, you, you, go you inadvertently discovered the left molar technique. You know, exactly. So, uh, but, but now it, when I intubate and it's been a long time since I've intubated somebody, um, I'm using the left molar technique. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but, but the point I'm trying to make here is that this doesn't have to be a rigid skill that you've not developed, uh, yourself in, into this mm -hmm. process. You've got to be comfortable with basic airway management, you know, yeah. airway, you know, advanced airway isn't the end all be all. You've got to be able to be comfortable with those basic skills. You know, it's true. I, I should, I could intubate somebody, but when's the last time you just bagged somebody for the trip to the hospital? That's right. Do we need to get a definitive airway? Maybe, but let's bag them. Let's use adjunct airway. I got to tell you, if I have my way, 
I don't know that intubation is something that I want to be able to use in my organizations anymore, yeah. only because it's not needed. Back in the day, it was needed for advanced airway. But there are some great superglottic airways out there that everybody mm -hmm. can use. How cool would it be that our EMT first responders can place a superglottic airway before we even show up on scene? So I oh, think yeah, there's a is. lot of things. And, to and think it's about. something that must. Yeah, that's something that my state has recognized. Uh, uh, EMTs in Louisiana can use any superglottic airway. Um, there is no there is no specified device. If it's a superglottic or extraglottic airway, uh, they are they are competent to use them. Um, well, give them give me your tips and, and final thoughts, Kelly. Uh, tips and final thoughts. Number one, uh, forget the 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 laryngoscope as the tool. Uh, you have to pre-oxygenate your patient well first. You have to use a team approach to intubation. That means coaching your partner, talking with your partner, pre-gaming and, and planning these scenarios. And if you're an instructor, the student hasn't reached mastery when they can successfully intubate Fred the head. They've reached competence. Now is the time to start throwing some variables in there. Uh, guard against complacency by, by surreptitiously de-disconnecting uh, uh, de the, the battery uh, on your suction unit. Um, you know, throw in um, uh, laryngospasm. Uh, even the plain old Fred the head has a laryngospasm simulator that surprisingly most of the people who use it don't know what it's for. Um, make a salad simulator. If you have the wherewithal, get better uh, and more advanced uh, airway simulation devices like the, the uh, Seven Sigma uh, hyper-realistic airway mannequins and that sort of thing. And start looking for eatable moments. If there is a minor flaw in their technique or there's a minor flaw, this is the time to jump on it uh, and hold them to a higher standard once they've gotten proficient at endotracheal intubation. Uh, but making a salad simulator, uh, we'll put up the, the link to that uh, on how to convert a Lairdall standard airway mannequin to a salad simulator. Um, and in the meantime, you guys be a little more uh, uh, stringent in, in what you call proficiency and mastery in airway management. Take a methodical approach to it, and you'll do better at managing your patient's airways. But, hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What tips and tricks have you come up with to help your students be better at airway management? What trips, tips and tricks have you come up with yourself to be better at airway management? We'd love to hear those thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.